Welcome to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University, exploring the relationship between education and justice, and the transformative power of inclusive education. Hosted by Roosevelt University President Ali Maletzadeh. According to diversity and inclusion expert Vernon Myers, diversity is being invited to the party, inclusion is being asked to dance. Today, Angela Jordan joins us to explore how we can go beyond representation to build a healthy, welcoming community. Angela is a Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at Robert Morris University, Illinois. Throughout her 30-year career at Robert Morris, she has been a tireless advocate for underserved students. Hear what Angela has to say about Robert Morris's rich history, as well as her goals for the future. Enjoy. Good morning and welcome, Angela. Good morning and thank you for having me. Of course. Now tell me a bit about yourself and your career journey at Robert Morris. Well, I'll start out with my career journey because it's so interesting and exciting and it's been a wonderful ride. So I started out as a financial aid advisor, worked through that department for a while, became director of financial aid. I then did some teaching with our business students and then from there I actually was a campus associate campus director for our Orland Park campus. So been with the university for over 30, about 34 years now and once I became the associate campus director I felt like I wanted to do something more with students and give back a little bit more. I'm a hands-on person and I love working directly with the students. So I was actually given the opportunity by a past president, President Michael Vile, to become the Dean of Students. It was such an exciting promotion and it actually gave me opportunities to work with students on different levels, different circumstances, students from all types of different backgrounds. I went back to the Chicago campus and worked with students all over from our Chicago campus to our Springfield campus and throughout the uh, Chicagoland area. And then from there I was promoted to Vice President of Student Affairs and that's where life took off and I hit the ground running. Um, As Vice President of Student Affairs I was able to actually level the playing field for students give them opportunities that they may not have had. I actually gave them seats at the table. And so when there were different issues that came about or presented themselves, students, I wanted to make sure that they felt comfortable coming to me, coming to our staff, and talking about them. Sometimes it was things about the campus that they would like to see change. And so that opportunity lent itself to where I am now, which is Chief Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Officer. And I would say that that particular position was paramount in putting me where I am today. Yeah, well, quite a story. So from financial aid office to teaching business classes, dean of students, and now chief diversity officer. So one of these days, we'll ask you to go teach some business classes for us? Uh, Actually, I prefer 
the administrative part. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Teaching was fun, but I think my, I don't know, I think my gift is differently working directly of with course. students. Of in course. Of course. you know, yeah. uh, you just mentioned something that is, you know, critically important uh, and has been for Robert Morris and for Roosevelt University. And this notion that you just talked about, you know, giving diverse students a voice at the table for them to come and bring ideas and so forth. Tell me more about that. Well, you know, students, one thing I love about students is that they're not shy. If there's something that they would like to see happen or something that they're unhappy with, they're definitely going to come and let you know about it. Right. And sometimes it, it, it could be just this one student who speaks for all students because some students are afraid to step up and say what they feel. And giving them a seat at the table makes them feel like they're a part of the university, that not only are they students, but that we care about them, we respect their opinions and their ideas, and that we want to implement some of those things that we can to make them feel like they belong, to make them feel that they do make a difference. You know, and these days, as you know, people talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and you just said belonging, mm -hmm. okay? Because obviously we want to give the students a sense of belonging. They're away from home, but their home is in Chicago or yes. another state or another country. But we want to make sure they feel at home yes. within the compounds of the universities yes. so that they're taken care of. Now, we use diversity, equity, inclusion interchangeably at times. Do you see any key differences between these terms? Or to you, it doesn't matter? No, absolutely, there's a difference. Um, for me, and I'll just kind of go through each of them quickly. Yeah. Uh, for me, diversity is representation. And so it's a range of similarities, but also differences with people. It includes, most people think of diversity, and the first thing that comes to mind is race. Well, diversity is so much broader than race. Diversity includes age. It includes sexual orientation. Diversity includes even something like your point of view, you know, various point of views. It includes political views. It also includes religion, disabilities. I mean, the list goes on and on. So when people come to us and they have these differences, it's important that we embrace those. And so that's what diversity means to me. It's about representation. Okay. And then we look at equity. Yeah. And equity to me means access. And so access to different things, different thoughts. Access to education is very important. Access is paramount. Students who don't have access will remain where they are and never get an opportunity, again, to sit at that table. So how do we provide access to students? Well, we remove the barriers. We provide students with the support and resources that they need. And so when you look at diversity, equity, inclusion, they're different. They belong together as a group because they work, inter they work interchangeably, but they're definitely different. Okay. And then we have inclusion. And as I just stated, inclusion is belonging. People need to feel that they belong. Right. What does that mean? <laughs> I need to feel that I'm supported. People need to feel that they're respected and that their, their values, their viewpoints count. Okay. And so the three together, Lots of work to do. So why, in that regard, is it important for universities to be champions of inclusion? Well, first of all, it's our responsibility. As a university, our goal is to educate, to 
get students to a point where they graduate to be successful. And so champions of inclusion means that the university is a place where people thrive, where they have healthy way of life. The community in itself is embracing of the students. We're talking students, faculty, and staff at this point. And it's just paramount. It's our responsibility. We have to be proactive when we talk about champions of inclusion. And what we definitely want to make sure that we're doing is providing all of the tools that the students need to be successful. Mm -hmm. Give me an example of that with a student group or organization that, from your perspective, provided an opportunity for inclusion. Can you think of an example? Yeah, I can think of several. I'll, I'll just do this one because it happened recently. Uh -huh. We had a student, he identifies himself as gay, and he said, "Miss Jordan, we don't have an um, organization for students like me. And I didn't assume anything about it. I said, what do you mean students like you? He said, well, I'm a gay male, and I think we need some support, some support systems in place. I said, okay, well, what is it that you would like to see happen? I said, we're open. I said, I'm glad that you came forth. I said, so what is it that you would like to see? And he said, an organization where we can get together, sit down and talk, talk about the things that we're challenged with in, in our lifestyles. I said, okay. He said, and it's not really just for us. It, anyone can come. Right. He said, I want people to understand who we are and that we are people too. So I thought that was a great example. Yeah, that is a great example. You also talked uh, a little bit about the role of faculty as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from your perspective, how do you see diversity have an impact on the classroom learning environment, both from the perspective of when you were a professor mm -hmm. and then now as you support the faculty, in what they do and how they teach and so forth. Okay. It's actually important as a professor to recognize that your classroom is full of differences. Right. Differences in every capacity that you can think of and also diverse learners. Students learn differently. Some students learn you know, audio, it's just different ways of learning, different ways of teaching. And so once we recognize that, I think as a professor it's our role to embrace diversity to embrace that in the classroom and make sure that all the students feel included. You know, I used to do it basically by going around the room, something simple, and telling people, what do you want us to know about you? What makes you different? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily your background, but what makes you different? Right. And so I think that opened the door for students to feel like, oh, wow, they want to know what makes me different. <laughs> and then that also gives students the other students in the classroom the opportunity to say, wow, they like chess. Well, I like chess. Or they're from the East Coast. I'm from the East Coast. And just, you know, students, students are curious, so they want to know more. And so I think providing those opportunities in the classroom to support the students, to let them know that everybody's ideas matter right. and that no one is over the other. Now, you know, the anecdotes you just gave are important for retaining students, giving them a sense of inclusion and belonging that you just mentioned. Now, talk to me a little bit about how do we attract the more diverse students and staff so that diversity is reflected both in the administration, in our faculty, as well as in our students. Okay. I'll, and this is exciting. So I'll start by talking a little about a little bit about Robert Morris and our history. Uh, Robert Morris 
we have a history, a very rich history of diversity. Right. Uh, we were named the most diverse university in the Midwest by the U.S. News and World Report for eight years in a row. And this didn't just happen overnight. This was intentional. Uh, Robert Morris, our focus was to work and to reach out to those underserved students, mm -hmm. first-generation students, and also low-income students. We knew that there was a need. We knew that we wanted to be in a, of assistance to them to help them attain their degree. So we technically went out to find those students. It was an intentional move. It's been intentional since I've been here. Um, and the good part about it is people were open to that. We went straight in our backyard, Chicago Public Schools, very diverse um, high school system. Mm -hmm. We wow. were able to partner with some of the people in administration. We went to the high schools. We partnered with a lot of the counselors. And we said, look, this is who we are. This is what we're about. And these are the students that we want to serve. Wow. And we were so upfront and intentional about it, they welcomed us with open arms. So we did that with CPS. We've also done it with suburban schools because we also have branch campuses. So we, we took that same message and we sort of permeated it throughout the high school, <laughs> throughout the high schools in the yeah. Chicagoland area. Yeah. And I want to come back to the student diversity, but what about uh, attracting staff okay, now and for administration? Yes. Staff and administration, that's been a little challenging, but I do have some ideas for that. I think that whatever we do, it needs to be proactive mm -hmm. and intentional. Right. And you'll hear me say that over and over again because it's paramount. When you're proactive and intentional, you can get what you want. And so some of those resources, there are resources out there. We just have to go and find those resources. There's a pipeline. Uh, there are HBCUs. They graduate. Uh, historically black colleges and universities, they graduate students in all types of fields. They're looking for jobs. You have different organizations that focus on diversity and inclusion. So the, the people are out there. We have to be intentional and proactive yeah, in like reaching that. those people. I like that. Uh, you know, going back to the student attracting diverse students who also are often first generation college students, it's interesting, I was just reading an article that nationwide, many state universities have suddenly discovered that now that their enrollment may be dipping, mm -hmm. maybe they should go and attract more diverse students mm -hmm. and first-generation students. And here you are at Robert Morris, and same for us at Roosevelt University, saying, this was our founding. Yes. This is what we've been doing yes. for 75 years in our case yes. as we celebrate our 75th anniversary yes. this year. So, you know, fascinating. Okay. Now, you deal with Generation Z students now, and they are in the classrooms, they're in the colleges. Uh, give me a sense of perhaps how they're similar to previous generations and maybe how different they are from previous generations. Well, students. it's interesting that we're talking about Generation Z because I was just talking to my children um, who are both millennials uh -huh. and they think differently than we do back in our day. And so um, we were talking about, well, what's the next generation gonna be like? And so that next generation is actually my niece and nephew. And so my daughter and I were talking about it and she goes, mom, do you realize that this is the first generation that will, that will be the first generation that's 100% plugged in? 
And I said, plug, dude, what do you mean by that? She goes, mom, these students were, these children were born into technology. They know nothing different. All they know is the internet and social media and these fancy cell phones. She goes, so <laughs> that's the difference. They're totally 100% plugged in. And so because of that, they're focused on different issues. And so I thought about that for a while, and I said, wow, actually, this is one of the generations, probably the first generation, that saw an African-American male president who saw gay marriages. And so for them, this is the norm. Diversity and inclusion is the norm. They don't see any. They're like, why are you talking about that? This is sort of what the world is. Wake up, people. Get no, with fascinating. it. Exactly. So and, there, this is a fascinating, very interesting generation that I'm looking forward to working with. Actually, I've been working with some of them now because right now they're in their teens and early 20s. So we do have some of those Generation Z students in our universities as we speak. Okay. And let's talk a little bit further about those students. How can we together at Roosevelt and Robert Morris uh, prepare our graduates to be advocates for diversity in their own careers as they move out as ambassadors for our universities and alumni. How do we help them do that? Well, first of all, because we're, we're intentional and we're proactive, this is a way of life. This is, we're going to be Roosevelt very soon. It's coming up like in a couple of weeks. I'm excited about that. So I'll speak about Roosevelt at this point. So we're going to be we're already intentional and we're proactive. We're gonna to continue to be that way. So when the students enter our doors, they're gonna see it, they're gonna feel it because this is who we are and this is who they're gonna become. It'll be a natural thing. It'll be very natural for them. They will have experienced diversity and inclusion in the classroom when they do group projects, when they're out on internships. We'll they'll be already prepared for that. Yeah, and you know, in that respect, you know, similar to what you just said, when I talk to the students during convocation and while they enter the university, is look around you. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody around you is from a diverse background. Yes. You know, as you said, dif diversity defined, you know, very broadly, and it is your job. Okay, and promise to me and all of our faculty and administration is that you get to know people who are different from you. Not everybody who looks just like me, yes. but you are in a university to learn about people who are different from you. Absolutely. And you know, as an anecdote, when we did that during the last uh, convocation and then we had food and cookies outside on the auditorium uh, hallways afterwards, the students were, you know, uh, gathering together in groups of five and six and eight, and they made a point of, look, President Ali, uh, look, everybody around me is different than me. Awesome, okay. awesome. And you know, we should be able to emphasize what we do. Absolutely. And bring it to their attention, because partly we don't want them to take it for granted. Yes, okay? absolutely. The African-American students that you just talked about, who were born, uh, and grew up when Barack Obama was in the White House, they said, well, okay, having an African-American president is kind of normal. Right. No, it's not. Exactly. And we have to okay. prove that to them, that it's not normal. Look at the history. Exactly. <laughs> and we can't take it for granted yes. 
Okay. Absolutely. And then wait another 200 years for the next one to happen. Absolutely. So that's our job within the university. definitely our okay. job. Now talk to me a little bit about your goals, long-term goals and aspirations for Roosevelt University. Well, I'm so excited, as I stated before, and I'm actually ready to hit the ground running. Um, I have so many different ideas and thoughts and too many to name, actually. But what I do know, I remember the old adage, it takes a village to raise a child. And so I look at that and I said to myself, it's going to take a village to permeate, to make us be who we say we are. We are diversity and inclusion. And so... I look towards force to everyone in the university kind of taking their sticks, their batons, and running with it. We want to make sure that everyone feels that they belong, that we welcome and embrace diversity, that people feel supported, and that they're respected. So with that being said, my goal is to have Roosevelt University be known as a national leader for diversity and inclusion. Well, what does that mean? When people hear Roosevelt University, they know about social justice, but we want to take it a step further. We want people to know, you know, not only social, social justice, but also diversity and inclusion. The university is very diverse. Students feel like they belong. Employees, faculty, staff feel like they belong. And we are able to showcase that, maybe at some national conferences or things of that nature. But I want to bring everyone along. It's not just about me as the Chief Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Officer doing this by myself. I'm looking for the entire community to get involved because I believe that once people are involved, they feel like they have a place. And once they have a place, then they want to work. They want to do it. They want to make sure that these things happen. No, that's terrific. And again, because of our 75th anniversary coming up, you will get a chance to participate in that and see and also implement exactly what you just talked about. Now, here's a surprise question for you. Mm -hmm. Tell me, and only me, not our audience. (laughs) No one's listening. (laughs) Something that nobody knows about you at Um, Robert Morris. Let's see what no one knows about me at Robert Morris. And again, this is our secret. This is our secret. Nobody will know. Let's see here. Nobody knows about Angela Jordan. Well, this isn't really a secret, but it's funny because a few people know this. But I remember when when I first met you, we were at a a senior leadership meeting, and you went around the room and you were asking people, what what should we call you? And you said to me, what should I call you? And I said, well, I prefer, no, you said, what would you prefer to be called? And I said, well, I prefer to be called Angela. And no one at the university knew that. I said, well, no one ever asked me that. People call me Angie. But my preference is Angela. But I'm okay with Angie. And so that's sort of been like the running joke amongst our leadership team now because I shared that information. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a similar anecdote regarding Ali. I was introduced to somebody years back. Mm-hmm. And uh, the person said, well, uh, how do you spell that? I said, A-L-I. And mm-hmm. he said, well, can I call you Al? And, you know, the, the host, she was furious. She said, you went as far as the L. Can't you say the I? Just right. You know, so Ali is hard to say. That's you know, funny. Angela, I'm so glad you could join us today. And thank you for, you know, this wonderful and informative conversation. Thank you. I just want to close with one um, 
with once one quote from uh, Martin Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. by this being African American Heritage Month, um, and I'm I'm a I'm a person for quotes. So basically, he said, "Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter." And so, for everyone out there listening, if you're passionate about something, don't be silent. Share it with the world. Absolutely, speak up. Speak up. Speak up. Absolutely. All right. Well, Thank I'm, you for I'm having so me. So glad that you spoke up, and here we are today. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you, Angela. Thank you, <laughs> All right. well, President Ali. <laughs> And Justice for All is produced by Roosevelt University and is available at roosevelt.edu or anywhere you get your podcasts. The music for And Justice for All is written and produced by Jesse Case. Thanks for listening. <laughs>